is way more than like nice Sunday religion or routine or nice Sunday morning programs. This changes absolutely everything. This changes everything. Do you believe Jesus can change everything? We're in a series called This Changes Everything. We're in week five. I'm not going to recap all the previous four weeks. That's why we have podcasts for this. So go ahead and check it out. But we are in part five. And so at the top of your notes, you can write This Changes Everything. And the title for our message this morning is, But Wait... There's more. Come on. Yeah. But wait, there's more. So you've heard this phrase before, but wait, there is more. Anybody want more? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Good, good. Acts chapter 1, we're going to read a couple verses here. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. We're picking up the story of, the, of, of God's story on the planet here in Acts chapter 1. Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament. The first four books are what we call the gospel. It's called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're written by four different guys, kind of written to four different audiences, but they all tell the story of Jesus' life. So they're telling us about who Jesus was and what Jesus did when he was on the earth. So that's what the first four books are all about. The book of Acts is kind of is the, the, the first book of the Bible that starts dealing with life after Jesus has lived his life. He's died his death. He's raised from the grave, and he's ascended to heaven. Here is we're about to read about right before he ascends to heaven. So the book of Acts is the story of what what happened when Jesus ascended. What was the church really like? What happened when the church was birthed after Jesus came and was with us on earth? So we had Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection. Praise the Lord. Sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we are in Acts chapter 1, and we're still picking up. Jesus hasn't uh, ascended yet. He's kind of in his last moments, and, and the guy who wrote uh, the book of Acts, his name's Luke, he's, he's, he's relaying what happened uh, kind of in Jesus' last moments here. So we're going to pick up in red letters, which is a signal that it's Jesus talking. So uh, Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 4 and 5, it says, While staying with them, he, Jesus, ordered them, his disciples, we good in Jesus, then the disciples, While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Somebody say promise. 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 The promise of the Father, which he said. Jesus said this. You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Is how Jesus is wrapping up his time with his disciples. We're talking this morning about the wait... There's more. You've always seen this on, on, info, on infomercials. If you've ever stayed up way too late and it's 2 a.m. and you're watching TV for some reason, that's all you're seeing, infomercials. And everybody is saying, but wait, there's more. They're talking about some absurdly powerful cleaning product and it's totally natural and it has like a catchy name. And not only does it work great on like dirt, grease, and grime, but it's even safe for babies. And all for this low price of $9.99. It's just, I know you think that that is absolutely great, but wait... There's more. Hallelujah. There is more. And if you just call right now, we will give you nine gallons of super clean. We'll give you 14 super brushes. We'll give you four pints of super clean for babies. And we'll even throw in an adorable kitten for free. We'll call it now in the next 35 seconds. But wait, there's more. If you've ever fallen for one of those things, maybe you actually got something that really works. You know what? I'm just going to plug this. Ever had a scrub daddy? Yeah. Anybody? Yeah. That stuff's for real. It worked, dude. Anyways, salt on Shark Tank. Love it and love it. Acts chapter 1. Speaking of scrub daddy. 
But wait, there is more. In Acts chapter 1, when we pick up the story of Jesus, we pick up the story of history. Jesus is having a, a but wait, there's more moment with his disciples. And I believe that these verses need to be a but wait, there's more moment for us. We need to have a but wait, there's moment, wait, there's more moment with Jesus. Like I said, Jesus at this point, he's lived a perfect life. He's died a death that he didn't owe. He said, nobody takes my life from me. I give it up on my own accord. Yep. He gave it for you. He had no sin to pay for, but he, in his perfection, chose to die and shed perfect blood to pay for our shortcomings. He's lived this life. He has died this death, and he is resurrected. He predicted his own resurrection. That is crazy. He predicts his own resurrection. Three days after dying, he raises from the grave. And before he ascends to heaven, like we said, he gives this final charge to his disciples. He says, okay, you guys have been with me for the last three years. So, I mean, these guys have walked with God in the flesh. That's intense. These guys are the most equipped people like for ministry ever, right? I mean, they walk with God in the flesh for three years. They've, they've seen him die. They've seen him resurrected. Jesus, after he resurrected, he spent weeks showing up to people, historically documented, people seeing Jesus. They've seen him after the resurrection. They know who he is. They believe who he is. And, and they, they've spent all this time with him. But still, he says, I want you to wait because there's more. I want you to wait. There's more. Not only did I come to forgive your sins, but I'm here to give you the promise of the Father. That wait, there's more. Not only does his resurrection save us from our sins, but he opens up the possibility for even more to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to, you're going to receive the promise, of the, of the promise of the Father, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This phrase we get all through the Gospels. Um, you probably heard of a guy named, named John the Baptist. He came baptizing people in water. And, and it's said multiple times to all the Gospels, John baptized with water, but Jesus is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. We're going to dig into this phrase, dig into this idea this morning of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now this morning, as we go into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, some of you kind of come from all different spectrums on um, you know, where you're just coming from in life. You know, some of you aren't even Christians, and so all of this is new. Some of you have been in church, and uh, we kind of all are coming from different places. And my goal this morning is not to um, talk fully about and fully disclose, like, what is the entire teaching of the promise of the Father? It's like, that's why we have our life, to walk with Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Right? Come on. So we're, we're just, my, my hope, though, is, is if I can, can, if I can um, succeed in one thing this morning, I pray that we all leave more hungry for God than what we can. I believe that when we are hungry for God, God can do anything in our lives. So I hope to just stir up some hunger in you this morning. And when we dig into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about the word baptism. And, and when um, we see the word baptism in the Bible, it, it has a few different meanings. We translate it baptize. It, it's, it means these words like immersed, to be completely submerged or overwhelmed. It's like, ah. Like sometimes you get baptized by like bad news and it just overwhelms you, right? You know, you know the feeling. Or if you've been in church, you know that Christians do this water baptism, this water baptism thing. Uh, maybe that you've seen before. We mentioned John the Baptist. And John the Baptist said that, uh, well, he, there's a lot of backstory to John the Baptist. He's basically a weird dude and turned out to be Jesus' cousin. He had eight bugs, lived in the desert, and stuff. So there's that. 
but, but he had a mission from God. It was to prepare the way of the Lord. He was preparing the way for the Messiah. And he introduced this idea of baptism, where it was an act of repentance, which is a, another church word that we mention sometimes. And what that means is to recognize your sin and turn from your sin to, to allow God to cover you in your weakness. So that's what repentance is. It means to turn around. So John comes and he starts telling everybody, he starts preaching, repent, the kingdom of God is coming. Turn away from the things that are hurting you and turn towards God. He is everything you've ever wanted. And he, and he, and he performed this, this baptism where he just dumped people in the Jordan River. And they would come by the thousands. It was a wild, wild deal. So he would baptize people. But he said his baptism was, was an immersion. It was, a, it, was a, it was an overwhelming act of repentance. That's what his baptism was for, for repentance to say, man, I, I am giving my whole self to repent from, from the things that I have done wrong, the things that are hurting me, from the things I can't turn from in my own power. Like, I need God. I need God. I can't do this on my own. So I'm, I'm, I'm immersing myself in this act of confessing my sins and turning towards God. This is a baptism of repentance. John said several times, he said, um, I baptize with water for repentance, but the one coming after me is going to overwhelm you with the Holy Spirit. And the whole, the, with, overwhelm you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And uh, he would say with fire, and that kind of sounds strange to us. Right? I don't know if I want that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so how's that work? But, but what's interesting about John when he says that the, the one coming after him is going to immerse us in the Holy Spirit and in fire, the, the people hearing him immediately would know exactly what he meant. It was still a pretty crazy thing to hear, but they would have understood what he meant. They knew that the Holy Spirit is God. So there's, and, and, and when they heard fire, when, when, when fire is, is uh, related to the presence of God, they would have thought back hundreds of years before, when they were being led out of Egypt from a place of slavery. Long story, you've got a Bible, or we'll give you one, you can read it all on your own. He was, God was leading his people out of Egypt, and to lead them where he wanted them to go, he would lead them by being a massive cloud in the day and fire by night. So when John said, I am baptizing you in this water, but the one coming after, he's going to baptize you, he's going to immerse you in God. You are going to be covered in God. An incredible reality that John is saying. This, this is what this Messiah is going to do for us. Is there, these are big ideas. This is pretty wild stuff. But, but we're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and in the presence of God. Now stick with me. I know that we're like doing a lot of background. Maybe this is like a lot of Christianese language. And you're like, where does all this fit? I don't know. But we're going somewhere. I, I promise. So just roll with me. Can you stick with me? Yeah, let's go. Okay. All right. So I want you to write this down. I'm going to give you the first thing that I want you to write down this morning. And is this, Christianity is an invitation, not a destination. Christianity is an invitation, not a destination. What do I mean by that? When you read through the Bible, and you read, especially through the Gospels, and you see when God took on flesh and bone in Jesus, when Jesus came, what is it? What was the message that he preached? You know, I would assume that if God's going to take on being incarnate one time, he's probably going to use words that are significant. Get his point across, right? What did Jesus talk about? He, he, didn't, he, he came and he talked about this kingdom of God. He would say this all the time. He would say, um, repent, just like John said, repent. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of heaven is here. And he said, what is all of that about? 
And he's saying the rule and reign of God that is available or is available now in your everyday life. Up, up until that point, people had been distant from God I and mean, they couldn't get with God. They tried to walk out from a distance, but he was saying, no, the rule and reign of God in every area of your life is now available. In other words, Christianity is so much bigger than just a forgiveness of sins. Christianity is so much more than, than built around the destination of where do I go when I die. It's a huge piece of it. But it's by no means the whole thing. Jesus spent his time not talking about the destination, but talking about the invitation. Sometimes I think that we look at the Christian life and we think, well, there's my life and then there's the moment I give my life to Jesus and then I die and I go to heaven and everything in between, we're just kind of naked. Right? And that's kind of what, the, what our church life can turn into, what our Christian life can turn into. And I think that maybe this is why so many people are leaving the church these days or, or not even believing at all because I think that we're, uh, we've gotten so caught up in, in maybe just like the, the, the start and, and the end and we've forgotten all the in-between. And we haven't realized that Christianity is an invitation to walk with God. We're not just bookended by a moment of a decision and a moment of death. No, there is meaning in the midst of everything in between. It's an invitation into life, not just into a different death. Christianity is an invitation. It's not just a destination. Jesus preached this invitation to live, seeing, the heaven, seeing heaven come to earth, not just the destination of getting to heaven when you die. In fact, when the disciples were with Jesus, they would notice him praying all the time, and they said, okay, Jesus, like, whatever you're praying is working. <laughs> teach us how to do that. Teach us how to pray. And uh, he said, okay, I'll teach you how to pray. And one of the things that he said, he, he, he told them to pray was, um, pray and ask, ask God, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's not just about this destination of getting somewhere. How do we see heaven come to earth in our life? It's an invitation, not just a destination. See, Jesus came to, to baptize us, to immerse us, to overwhelm us with the Holy Spirit with the presence of God, with God himself in our lives, we are now able through Jesus to live life overwhelmed by God. He's not just in the temple anymore. We are the temple. Mm -hmm. That's what the Bible says. That's incredible, incredible news. In John 10.10, he actually, Jesus, he's talking, I think he's hitting on this whole invitation thing. He says, um, the enemy, meaning the devil, he says, he, he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. <laughs> Been there. Know what that road's like. Right? And following following the, the things of the world, and just, you know, it feels like you just get stolen from, and you get killed, and you get destroyed. But he says, I have come to bring you life, and life abundant. He say, I have come to give you a new place to go when you die. Yes, that. But in the meantime, I have brought you. And I wonder if maybe in the church we can see some fresh life as we walk with Jesus. I wonder how much more appealing this message would come if we do the message was for life. Not just for death, amen? An invitation is not just a destination. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I have lived life immersed in this life. 
in this world, in this hopelessness, in this brokenness. I mean, have you watched the news like this week? Whoa. Something will immerse you. Jesus gave us the best option. It's not about are we going to be overwhelmed or not. It's what's going to overwhelm you. Let's choose God. That's a boss. Jesus came to baptize us in the Holy Spirit with the presence of God. As we go and we talk about all of this and we're using some interesting things in spiritual language. I don't even, everybody seems to even come from different backgrounds of like, is, what is spiritual stuff? Some of the people are spiritual people. Some people don't believe. It's just, wow, we're getting into some interesting things here. But what is this about Jesus allowing us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? And, and, and I, I get Jesus. Yeah, okay, that's good. And, and I get uh, the Father. That makes sense, the promise of the Father. But the whole Holy Spirit thing, even in the church, is like kind of like the Cinderella awkward stepchild the Trinity, like, yeah, there's the Holy Spirit, but we don't really talk about it. <laughs> Jesus, the Father, absolutely, but yeah, we don't really get him. He just kind of, you know, sometimes he does stuff, I guess, but anyways, let's get back to Jesus and the Father in the Bible, right? This was me going, I grew up in church, I grew up in a Christian school, and, and, and I started reading the Bible, and I was like, oh my gosh, like the Holy Spirit's all over the place, and I know nothing about the Holy Spirit. And I'm supposed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that kind of, I don't even know what that means. And what are we doing here? So this begs a big question. Who is the Holy Spirit? Yeah. I'm supposed to be overwhelmed by this, like, is it an it or a, like a thing? Is there like, is there like a place I go? Like, how does this all work? Who, who is the Holy Spirit? I mean, before we really dig into being immersed in, in the Holy Spirit, we need to begin with an understanding of, of who the Holy Spirit is. First of all, notice that, that I'm, I'm doing my best to continue to say who is the Holy Spirit, not what is the Holy Spirit. The most foundational thing that we all need to understand about the Holy Spirit is that He is God. He is God. There's this big theological idea of, of the Trinity that the Bible talks about, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there's one God, but He's, he's kind of manifest in three ways, but He's still one and and yeah, just wrap your head around it, and when you do, you're the first one. Congratulations. <laughs> but we believe it. We believe it because it, it's so many things about faith. You start believing it, and you're like, yeah, this works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He is God as much as Jesus, as much as the Father. He is, he is God, and He is God in His presence here on earth. He is God. And Holy Spirit, first of all, we need to understand He's not a theology. I don't know if you come from a church background or not, but some, I mean, frankly, even like Christians have so many different opinions and divisions about the Holy Spirit. Is he, is he real? Is he moving? Is he the only thing that matters? And there's just so many different things. But the Holy Spirit, though we may have ideas or whatever, but he himself is not a theology bound by our conceptual ability to know him. But he, he is not a, he's not a theology. He, he isn't a box. Like, he's not like, okay, perfect. I think the reason that maybe the Holy Spirit is the awkward stepchild is because he's the one most of all that we're like, yeah, we can't put you in this nice box here. Like, like, yeah. like every time we try to put you in a box, you do something that doesn't fit in the box. <laughs> so we don't, he's, he's not a box, and that makes us feel uncomfortable. So I guess it's not talk about Because it. it's easier that way. He's not a denomination. He's not bound by our denominations. He's not a, he's not a charismatic preference. He yeah. is God. Yeah. Just like Jesus, yeah. the Holy Spirit has been God all along. 
It's not like a New Testament construct. Like God is like, oh, now people are forgiven of their sins, so like, what else should we do? Ooh, let's make a Holy Spirit do some stuff. He's been with God the whole, the whole time. And as you read the Bible, you see that the Holy Spirit has been God all along. And so I'm just going to cover just a few like quick things. You can't fully define, I don't believe, the Holy Spirit. But I'm just going to give you like 65 to 70 quick things about who is the Holy Spirit. And I believe in the Holy Spirit this morning. In Genesis, he is hovering over the waters of the deep. He's pregnant with all of creation. In Exodus, he is a burning bush and he is the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day. In Leviticus, he is the supernatural power that comes from heaven and falls in fire on the altar of the people. In Numbers, he is the cloud of the presence over the tabernacle. In Deuteronomy, he is the circumciser of the heart. In Joshua, he is the counselor of the Lord's army. In Judges, he is the power behind the judges to call people back to God himself. In Ruth, he is her sustenance to allow her relationship with her Redeemer. In Samuel, he is the voice of God to his people. I wonder if you've met the Holy Spirit. In Kings and Chronicles, he is the mantle on the prophets. In Ezra and Nehemiah, he is our restorer. In Esther, he is our advocate. Amen. I need an advocate. In Esther, he is our advocate. In Job, he is our upholder. In Psalm 18, he is my redeemer. And in Psalm 23, he is my shepherd. In Proverbs, he is our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he is our purpose. Say amen if you need purpose. Yeah. Song of Solomon, he is our intimacy. Isaiah 7, he is the revelation of God on the earth. In Isaiah 61, he is our anointing. In Jeremiah 31, he is the knowledge of the Lord written on our very hearts. In Lamentations, he is our new mercies every day. In Ezekiel, he is the life in your dry bones. In Daniel, he is the fourth man in the fire. In Hosea, he is purity. In Joel, he is the outpouring of God. In Amos, he bears up under our burdens. In Obadiah, he is our inheritance of the kingdom of God. In Jonah, he is the shade tree of compassion. In Micah, he is the one who declares the coming Savior. In Nahum, he is slow to anger and he's great in power. In Habakkuk, he is righteousness in our faith. In Zephaniah 3, he is in our midst. He is mighty to save. He is rejoicing over you with singing. In Haggai, he is dispelling all fear. In Zechariah 3, he is greater than whatever might you have. He is greater than any power you might have. He himself is our ability. And in Malachi, he is the restorer of our hearts. These are a few things of my friend, the Holy Spirit. He wants to overwhelm you in who he is. In Matthew, he's the revelation of the kingdom of God. In Mark, he is the power of God. In Luke, he is the burning in the hearts on the road to Emmaus. In John, he is the promised one to come. He can mix the sinner of his sin and the saint of his righteousness. In Acts, he is the very life and power of the church. In 1 Corinthians 12, he empowers us. In 2 Corinthians 12, he makes he made, his strength made perfect. In our weakness in Galatians, he is our grace, our new beginning. In Ephesians, he is our unity, our offensive weapon, our sword against the devil. Yeah. Yeah. In Philippians, he is the power of the resurrected Jesus in your life. In Colossians, he is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In Thessalonians, he is our worthiness. In Timothy, he is our authority. In Hebrews, he is our assurance and our endurance. In James, he is our integrity. Peter, he is our holiness. First, second, and third John, he is our trustworthy spirit. In Jude, he is our perseverance. In Revelation 22, he is the companion of the bride, standing with her, calling out to Jesus. Come. 
This is the Holy Spirit. He is your counselor. He is your healer. He is your helper. He is your redeemer, your comforter, your wisdom, your revelation. He is wine, wine, fire, water. He is God. And he wants to overwhelm you. This is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus came to baptize you, not in a theology, not in a denominational box, not in something that we can figure out, but in the Holy Spirit and God himself. You have an opportunity to live with God. The baptism of God. This is the Holy Spirit. And you're thinking, that's all awesome. I need to write all those things down. There's so many things. I'm fired up or whatever. But that's great. But like, why does it matter? But so what? You know, so you can talk real loud on the stage, but what does this mean? What is, what is the result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? If this is such a big deal, it ought to impact our lives, right? We're going to talk about, real quick, two results of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Two results of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, I'm not going to go into depth on all of these things because, again, you have a Bible, and if you don't, we really do want you to take one because um, God's going to speak to you Yeah. in the Bible. You, you can seek Him out for yourself, but I just want to hit on a, on a couple things real fast. Uh, two, two results of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I pray that these make you hungry. This isn't going to answer all your questions, but it's hopefully going to make you hungry, yeah. all right? So the first result of being filled with the Holy Spirit is the giftings of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. I'm going to read a few verses here once I turn there. Is your neighbor taking notes? Yeah. yeah. Tell them if they're not. <laughs> Tell your other neighbor. Look at this guy. Come over here. Come church, taking notes. 1 Corinthians 12. You'll be able to see it on the screen. I've got it in my Bible. Verse 4 through 11. Is that what I said? Cool. Yeah. This is a, a, a part of the Bible written to us. God's wanting to inform us about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Say, it's all the same. All the same. It's all the same. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Say, common good. Common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. So we say, same Spirit. Same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another ability to distinguish between Spirits. To another various kinds of tongues. To another interpretation of tongues. Verse 11. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as He wills. We will talk more about the gifts of the Holy Spirit as you stick around church and time goes on. But I just want to focus on verses 4 and verses 11 because there's some things in these verses that maybe I've read and you're like, I've never even heard of that or I've heard really weird stuff about that. We would throw out the gifts of the Holy Spirit because it's God, it stretches us and doesn't always make perfect sense. But what's the point? What's the point? What's the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. One of the results is, is walking in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I want to focus today not on the individual gifts because there's so many listed through Scripture and we could go into that so, so much, and we will in due time. But what I want to focus on this morning is the, the bookend verses of what I read, verses 4 and verses 11. 
Verse 4 says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse 11 says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And I want to focus on one in the middle, right down verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And you may be coming from a background where this is all brand new. You may be coming from a background where this all gets you excited. You may be coming from a background where you've seen stuff get really weird because people did really weird stuff and just called it the Holy Spirit and it hurt and it was manipulative and let's just be honest, like people can do weird stuff. And that's legitimate and, and I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm hoping that this morning we can say, okay, let's put our preferences and even our backgrounds on the shelf for a moment. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? What people have, okay, we'll deal with what people have done and, and the hurt. And that's, all, that's all legitimate. But, but before we build theology on our experience or our preference, what does the Bible say? Yeah. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want you to write this down. You are equipped by the Holy Spirit. You are equipped by the Holy Spirit to be functional, not fancy. You are equipped by the Holy Spirit to be functional, not fancy. Fancy. Look at your neighbors. Make sure they know you're not fancy. <laughs> you are equipped by the Holy Spirit to be functional, not just fancy. I think that we can get weird when we start using gifts. Like we can pursue gifts, which is a biblical exhortation, but we pursue gifts because I want to be the gifted guy. Right? Like, oh, prophetic. That sounds fancy. Maybe I can be like the prophet. They're like, miracles, that sounds cool. I'll be like the power guy. I'll get up on stage, I'll yell at everybody and do this and woo! And then people will go crazy and I'm going to be the man. You know, like we pursue gifts to get fancy because we want to be the gifted person. But the rest of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, God tells us there's these gifts because you all together are a body. And I need, and God's like, I need each one of you to play your part for the sake of the whole. Yeah. You are equipped to be functional, not fancy. You, and and these, these words, you can go through here, it says, um, uh, where is one? Let's go for it. Uh, verse 5, and there are varieties of service. You're equipped to get served, not promoted. That's when things get weird, right? If you've ever seen this stuff get weird, it's because, man, oh, that's the guy. Nobody can challenge him because he's like the gifted guy or the gifted girl. And so we just kind of, whatever, and that was weird, but can't. God said, apparently. I don't know. But it's for service. It's for serving one another. God has equipped you. Your neighbor that you're sitting next to right now needs what God has put in you. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can walk in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This stuff is all like pretty out of our norm. Like, okay, miracles, tongues, prophecy, that doesn't fit in my box, which is great news because so far, you look around, nothing that fits in our box is helping our world. That's right. Yeah. That's right. We need power. Yeah. We need power. And it's, we got to be hungry, right? We're talking about hungry. Okay, God, that doesn't make sense to me, but I believe you're God, so what you say goes, what you say is best. And so if you got to equip me with some stuff I don't understand for the sake of my neighbor, for the sake of my family, for the... I'll do it. We've got to serve in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're gifted, which you are, you're gifted to get to work. And you're going to find life when you start giving away how God has been gifted, how God has gifted you. You are gifted, and your neighbor needs you. Amen? Amen. So when you're filled, when we're a church filled with the Holy Spirit, we walk in the power and in the gifts of the Holy Spirit for the sake of a broken world. So far, politics, not quite doing it. Right. Maybe we need something different. 
I'm going to go with God. Yeah. Number one, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Number two, the fruit of the Holy Spirit as a result of being filled by the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Some verses that you can write down. I'm not sure if that's in my Bible, actually. It's okay. uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says this. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. I'm going to keep going. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The fruit of the Spirit sounds like something we all need. Yeah. My goodness. Some love? Wow, yeah. Some joy? That seems illegal sometimes. It's like, if you're happy, everyone's like, what is wrong with you? That's yeah. so it's like, wow. But against such, against such things, there is, there is no law. You probably memorized these in Sunday school, but we left it back. It's like, that's pretty elementary. Let's get to, like, the really spiritual stuff. Yeah. I'm going to be a superstar Christian. I don't need the fruit of that. Though, but memorize that in second grade. Let's move on. But I think we need it. Yeah. I think we need it. And I think things get... Weird again. I think we've missed the point sometimes. We think, let's just all, let's all get filled with the Holy Spirit so we can get fancy. We don't need to walk in the fruit because that's for all the elementary kids. But I just get what I want. Yeah. And even outside of the church, that's what we do. We're just living trying to get our way all the time. When I read that, I think, man, these are hard. Like, I've tried that. I'm bad. That was things. Like, patience? Are you kidding me? That'd be awesome to have some patience. I'd have a whole lot less to apologize to my wife for if I had some patience. Amen? Well, Heather, yeah. <laughs> it's true. I, I, I mean, kindness, like, I'd rather not be. Let's be frank. I mean, like, why don't I just get my way all the time? <laughs> this sounds awesome. These are not our natural tendencies, the fruit of the Spirit. But when we start bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we will start to see the kingdom of God in our life. It's time to stop trying harder. Stop reading this list and thinking, oh, I need to be more patient. No, sit before God and allow Him to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Amen. You will not have these things in your life outside of the presence of God in your life. Amen. They go hand in hand. It doesn't say some love is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. No, love yeah. is the fruit of the Holy yeah. Spirit. You want love? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, patience? Get... Yep. Like yep. emotion? Yep. <laughs> you guys are memes. Those are the two two results of being filled with the Holy Spirit: the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to wrap up here, and um, I always talk too much. But maybe as we close here this morning, you're thinking, okay, I see. In the Bible, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, I get that we need it. God wants it. The results sound great. But there's always this question of how do I get that? How do I get that? Like, do I have to go somewhere? Do I have to have somebody specific, like, sign a piece of paper for me? Or, like, how does this work? And it goes back to the thing I talked about at the very beginning. The, no the number one way to live your life overwhelmed by God is to be hungry for God. It's hunger. This is, like, my one practical, and it's not practical. But it is. If you want to be overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit, you have to be hungry for God. Not hungry for 
uh, you know, the, the, the promotion, not hungry to be fancy, not hungry to have this or that, not hungry to just have a better life. I want to be hungry for God. I want to be hungry for God himself. I realized this morning, like I said, I probably haven't answered a whole lot of questions. I probably just created a lot more questions, honestly. But hopefully I've stirred up hunger. I see it in my own life over the last handful of years walking with Jesus. And, and the more I walk with Jesus, I've begun to realize the most valuable thing that I have in my life is hunger for God. I'm beginning to realize more and more that when I want answers, what I need is God. Those aren't always the same. Sometimes I get God and no answers, but I got what I need. Your hunger for God is the most valuable, call it commodity, in your life. We have to be hungry for God. We have to hunger for Him. In Matthew 5, verse 6, Jesus says this. He says, blessed are you when you hunger and you thirst for righteousness. Why? Because you're a good Christian and that sounds miserable and Christianity is miserable? No, because you will be filled. You will get filled with what you hunger for. Jesus has promised you. If you want more of God in your life, if you hunger for him, you will get him. Matthew 7, 7, Jesus is talking again. He says, ask, seek, knock. He says, ask, the door will be open to you. Seek, you will find. I think I mixed those up a little bit, but you get the point. He says, ask, seek, knock. Live, live your life before God. What Jesus did when he forgave you of your sins, he made you a new creation. This is the amazing thing about salvation. You didn't get a fixed life, you got a new life. When, when in, in John 3, a guy comes to Jesus, he says, I need to know what this is all about. And Jesus says, he has a weird phrase, he says, you need to be born again. He's like, why? But what's interesting to me is that Jesus didn't talk to him about a death certificate, he talked to him about his birth certificate. He says, you need a new life, an invitation, not just a destination. When you give your life to Jesus, you're completely forgiven. You're made new. The power of sin broken off of your life. It says, you're a new creation. And as a new creation, the Bible says that Jesus took all your sin. He became sin for you so that you could become Jesus' righteousness. That, like, offends me sometimes. But according to the Bible, Jesus has given me his perfection. I'm still working it out, but God looks at me, he sees me as he sees Jesus. And you too. Which means, we can step before Almighty God and ask, seek, knock, hunger. Come before him, make pure and say, God, would you overwhelm me with you? I'm overwhelmed by a lot of things I need. You come, Holy Spirit. Most powerful prayer that you pray in your life, huh? Holy Spirit. Why don't you go ahead and stand as we close this morning? There's really one big response, I think, to creating hunger in your life, and it's what Jesus talked about when John talked about just repent. Because when you turn from all this other stuff, it makes a lot of space in your life for God to fill. Make space in your life. If you want to live hungry before God, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, live your life just turning from the stuff that doesn't fill you. Sometimes we're like, God, oh, how do I know the voice of God? Well, turn off every other voice in your life and the one that's still speaking. That one's God. Create hunger. Create sort of a, a create empty space in your life where only God can fill it. And you will know Him. 
My number one prayer for our church as we have started and as we continue to go on for a long time, you know, and whatever happens, my number one prayer is that we would be hungry. My prayer for you is that you would be hungry. Because when we're hungry, anything can happen. So as we close this morning, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond in hunger. It may be uh, repentant. It may be turning from things that have not been filling you and inviting God to fill you. It may just be saying, you know what? It sounds like there's more of God. I don't maybe get all of it, but I need it. I need more of God. I want to just create opportunity for you as we worship one more song together to get what you need in God and invite God to come and immerse you and overwhelm you in the Holy Spirit. I'm not looking for goosebumps. You can keep your goosebumps. I want the gifts. I want the fruit. Right? Whether you feel goosebumps or not, whether you blah, 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 all that stuff. That's like not in the Bible. Let's go after the stuff that's there, right? You may get goosebumps, and that's cool, but like that's not the point. Amen? You know what I'm saying here? So here's what we do. We have a ministry team, a prayer team. You can come on up. I just want our, our prayer team to stand over here. So at the end of all of our services, we like to uh, respond to what God's doing in, in our lives because uh, it, the Bible says it's great to hear the word, but it's a blessing to do the word. Amen? So we've got people over here that want to pray with you if you need um, something. If you need something, they're not perfect, but they're just ready to pray. You may need something completely different than we're talking about. That's awesome. Just come on out. What we're going to do is, um, if you want somebody to pray for you, just say, would you pray for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I want you to come up and have somebody pray for you. Or if you need to get something out of your life, you need to repent of something. It's not for your condemnation. It's for your freedom. Jesus is like, just turn. That's all you got to do. I'm going to shame you about it. I just want to set you free. So you need to get set free from something. I want you to come up this morning. So I want you to bow your heads and then close your eyes just for a second as we respond here. Just have a moment with God and allow God to speak to you. And if you're here this morning and you're hearing all this and, and you're thinking, wow, that sounds awesome, but I, uh, I've never even met Jesus. I've never even given my life to Jesus. If you want to give your life to Jesus this morning, you want to get set free from the things that are bound you. And you say, well, I want to be filled because I'm completely empty. I need Jesus. You don't have all the answers, but you know that you need Jesus. Just with people's heads bowed, I want you to go ahead and raise your hand. Raise your hand right now if that's you. You want to give your life to Jesus this morning. You can have Jesus. You can have a new life in God. And you just raise your hand. I want you to come up to the front and meet with one of these people. I want to pray with you and lead you. Want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I want you to start moving. Everybody, now, everybody who wants to come and give your life to Jesus, just start moving out of the chairs. I'm going to pray for us and we get going, but just go ahead and start moving. If you want to give your life to Jesus, somebody pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you need to repent of something, anything at all, just come on out. Come on up and get prayer. If you need to meet with God in the front, it's wide open for you. We love 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 you. We love